Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. We love God, we ought to be able to talk about Him. Getting you started on your day. With the latest in breaking news and information. From the Vatican to the White House and everything in between. It's serious, it's fun, it's your Catholic Drive Time. With Joe McLean and Emily Alcaraz. Praise be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. I'm your host, Joe McLean. So good to be on with you. Praise be to God. Christ is risen. Truly, He is risen. Good morning. Cancel culture. All too common these days. Seems more and more uh, people in general, but Catholics also in particular, are being canceled off of social platforms because they dare to rock the boat or dare to have a conversation about the hot-button issues as if you can't conversate, you can't dialogue. Patrick Coffin is going to be our guest this hour to talk about why he was kicked off of YouTube recently, banned, LifeSite News banned from YouTube as well. And there are others, many others. This is, who knows, maybe we'll join the list. I I certainly hope not, but God's will be done in all things. Uh, But Patrick Coffin will be our guest in our guest segment. Dorothy Cummins-McLean from LifeSite News is going to be our guest in the What's Concerning Us section. We'll be talking to her about a few articles she has posted. We talked about one of them at least, or two of them, uh, I think it was on Monday. Uh, There was, uh, the police uh, broke up a mass in England, um, on Easter Sunday. I mean, that's literally insane. They had, I think they were following all the protocols, but police came in and, and broke up the, the Holy Mass. So we'll be talking about that, as well as Pope Francis spent his Holy Thursday at the house of Cardinal Beccio, who is uh, allegedly, I, I think he's being investigated for uh, fraud. I mean, that's interesting. What's going on there? We'll have that conversation with Dorothy Cummins-McLean as well. So jam-packed hour this hour. Lots to talk about, not to mention a new church is burning in France. 13th century church just got burnt down. I mean, just destroyed. One man is in custody. China is detaining Christians in windowless transformation facilities and using brainwashing to get them to renounce their faith. So there's a lot going on in the world. We'll have a great conversation about so much of this today on our program. Of course, the team is here. Good morning to you, Emily Alcarez. Good morning, Joe. I see we have a new statue behind you. Praise be to God. Yes, we do. Our our good friend, friend of the show, Jesus Robles, uh, stopped by yesterday and brought to us the crucified Jesus. And he he had this thing specifically mounted in a way that allows uh, the, the, the 360 degree you know, angle on seeing, we have to, at some point we should turn it around so you can see the scourged back. Uh, it is, it is something to behold. I mean, it's made completely of wood. It's handcrafted by a gentleman in Mexico. He said his name yesterday, uh, speaking of forgetting things, Adrian Fonseca is here. Good morning on the ones and twos. Good morning. Good morning. Yes. His name was Armando, I believe. Armando. Well, that's your dad's name. So that helps. So you can easily remember that. I forgot, however. Uh, so it's it's quite stunning. It's quite beautiful. And we do have the crucified Jesus cam, do we not? Yes. Let's see. If, we, if you're watching us on a live video stream, you'll be able to get a good look at it. If you're not and you're listening on the radio, Station of the Cross, good morning to you. Praise be to God. If you're on the Guadalupe Radio Network, good morning. Praise be to God. It's good to be on with you today. This is an incredibly detailed, a work of art from an, an artist, a craftsman in Mexico, made completely out of wood. And it is, we'll post pictures to it on uh, on our Facebook page, Catholic Drive Times Facebook page. And the eyes alone are enough to engage you. 
and to uh, to grip you deep down. Let me tell you, but to see the the wounds, the details, even the the the, the knees, you know, exposing the bones of his knees, uh, the the wound on the shoulder where he bur- bear the burden of the cross. It's truly amazing. It's very very uh, captivating. So we're very grateful to Jesus Robles for allowing us to display it here in the studios. All right. Praise be to God in all things. Uh, lots to get into today. We're very excited about our program. Pat Coffin, as I said, is going to be our guest. Dorothy Cummins is going to be on the What's Concerning Us. Plus, breaking news and stories with Emily and uh, Saint of the Day, Gospel of the Day. And of course, your prayers, your intentions, dear listener, whatever's on your heart today, whatever, whatever you're faced with, whatever your challenges are, if you're hanging out on a live video feed, please comment. Let us know what your prayer intentions are. But if you're listening on the radio, God knows your intentions and your sort of your guardian angel. And uh, we're going to include all of those in our uh, petition to Our Lady, Queen of Heaven and Earth, to intercede for all of us. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, amen. Remember, O most gracious Virgin Mary, that never was it known that anyone who fled to thy protection, implored thy help, or sought thine intercession was left unaided. Inspired by this confidence, I fly unto thee, O Virgin of Virgins, my mother, To thee do I come, before thee I stand, sinful and sorrowful. O Mother of the Word incarnate, despise not my petitions, but in thy mercy. Hear and answer me. Amen. In the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost. And now the headlines with Emily Alcarez. The Biden administration has formally dismissed a pro-freedom human rights commission started under President Donald Trump. In a press conference about the State Department's 2020 human rights reports, Secretary of State Anthony Blinken referenced the Commission on Unalienable Rights, an expert panel convened by former Secretary of State Mike Pompeo in 2019. Blinken claimed to repudiate the Commission and said the group was recently disbanded. The Commission on Unalienable Rights won international acclaim from across faiths, including the world's largest independent Muslim organization. The panel was composed of renowned legal experts as well as leading Jewish and Muslim scholars and was chaired by Harvard Law School professor Marianne Glendon. Biden's repudiation of the Commission on Unalienable Rights has drawn condemnation from religious freedom advocates who believe this signifies the downgrading of the role of religious freedom in foreign policy. A federal bankruptcy judge last week put 36 lawsuits against Buffalo Catholic parishes and schools on hold until this fall, stating that the lawsuit's advancement would interfere with the Buffalo Diocese's bankruptcy reorganization. New York's 2019 Child Victims Act created a one-year look-back window, where abuse victims could file lawsuits long after their statute of limitations had ended. The window opened in August of 2019, and alleged victims have since filed hundreds of lawsuits, 260 against Buffalo parishes and schools alone. In January, the diocese released thousands of clergy abuse documents and related records to abuse victims and their lawyers as part of an agreement in ongoing clergy abuse negotiations during its bankruptcy. These records were given to victims in exchange for an agreement that pending lawsuits against individual Catholic entities such as parishes or schools, are stopped from proceeding. While most of the alleged victims agreed to halt their lawsuits in exchange for the documents, 36 people, represented by attorney Richard Weisbeck, did not. And Canadian police have constructed a barricade around a Christian church in Alberta, which defied orders in order to remain open. In the early morning raid, Christian Grace Life Church, located in Spruce Grove, Alberta, 
was walled off with two layers of security fencing concealing the entrance to the church. The church's pastor, James Coates, was recently freed from jail. Coates was jailed from February until March for defying COVID-related orders in Alberta. He refused to agree to bail conditions, which blocked his release unless he agreed to not hold church services amid severe lockdowns. Coates was released on March 22nd after paying a $1,500 fine as time served. After his release, he went straight back to preaching, despite an order from Alberta Health Services demanding that the church doors of Grace Life remain shut. I'm Emily Alcaraz, and these are your Thursday morning headlines through a Catholic lens. Praise be to Jesus Christ in all things. St. Dionysius of Alexandria, pray for us. St. Dionysius was born in about the year 190 AD in Alexandria in Egypt. He studied under, I guess you could say, CDT's favorite heretic, Origen. Um, he's mentioned so often here. And eventually became the head of the catechetical school there, as well as the archbishop in Alexandria. In 250 AD, during the persecutions of Decius, Dionysius turned or tried rather to flee the city, but was caught and imprisoned. He was rescued by Christians and hid in the Libyan desert until about 251. During the Novitian uh, Schism, Dionysius supported Pope Cornelius and, hel and helped to unify the East. He was exiled during the persecution of Valerian in 257 to the deserts, and he returned to Alexandria when toleration was decreed by Galenius in about 260. Dionysius dealt leniently with Christians who had lapsed during the persecutions, something Origen didn't do. He wrote and noted commentary on uh, the book of Revelation, and he became a Greek father of the church. He died in about the year 256 AD. St. Dionysius of Alexandria, pray for us. The gospel today is a continuation from yesterday, Luke chapter 24, verses 35 through 38. The disciples of Jesus recounted what had taken place along the way and how they had come to recognize him in the breaking of the bread. While they were still speaking about this, he stood in their midst and said to them, Peace be with you. But they were startled and terrified and thought that they were seeing a ghost. Then he said to them, Why are you troubled? And why do questions arise in your hearts? Look at my hands and my feet that it is I myself. Touch me and see, because a ghost does not have flesh and bones, as you can see that I have. And as he said this, he showed them his hands and his feet. While they were still incredulous for joy and were amazed, he asked them, Have you anything here to eat? They gave him a piece of baked fish. He took it and ate it in front of them. He said to them, these are my words that I spoke to you while I was still with you, that everything written about me in the law of Moses and in the prophets and Psalms must be fulfilled. Then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures and said to them, Thus it is written that the Christ would suffer and rise from the dead on the third day, and that repentance for the forgiveness of sins would be preached in his name. To all the nations beginning from Jerusalem, you are witnesses of these things. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, witnesses, the Greek word is martyr, is essentially martyrdom. To become martyrs for the faith, martyrs for Christ to the ends of the world. Um, you know, recently, one of my um, 
my, one of my young kids, I think it was uh, Colby Thomas, he's five years old. He asked me, why does Jesus still have the marks? The, hand, you know, the marks in the hands and the feet. And I said, it's a testimony. It's a witness. The price he had to pay for, for you and for me. St. Ambrose would point this out. He would say it's a, it's a foreshadowing of some kind, a, a pointing to our own resurrection. It'd be a testimony. St. Gregory the Great would say, but for the sake of his sure purpose, he who destroyed death would not blot out the signs of death. St. Ambrose would say, our Lord said this in order to afford us an image of a resurrection, for that which is handled is the body, but in our bodies we shall rise again. But the former is more subtle, the latter more carnal, as being still mixed up with the qualities of earthly corruption, not then by his incorporeal nature, but by the quality of his bodily resurrection, Christ passed through the shut doors. And this is really cool. He passes through doors. He vanishes at will. He is not subject to the laws of nature, time, and space. People recognize him, and then they don't. I mean, but it's important to realize that the power of what's going on in this meeting with his apostles, before he meets them again in Galilee, as he said he would at the resurrection, this is a testimony, a testimony to the resurrection. As St. Paul would make very clear in his letter, his first uh, his Letter to the first, first letter to the Corinthians. Thank you. I'll get there eventually. Chapter 15, verses 17 through 19. He says, for if the dead are not raised, then Christ has not been raised. If Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile and you are still in your sins. Then those also who have fallen asleep in Christ have perished. If for this life only we have hoped in Christ, we are of all men, most to be pitied. St. Paul makes it clear. He puts all the chips on this one bet. If Christ isn't raised from the dead, nothing else matters. Let that sink in for a moment. But it's the point he's making about our own resurrection, yours and mine. Will we, will we be resurrected to life or will we, will we be resurrected to death? That is the only real question. We will be resurrected, but what will be our eternal destiny? Let us meditate and chew upon this today. Let us not doubt the resurrection, but let us give witness to it, like he asks his disciples to do here in this passage, to be martyrs for the faith. Don't go anywhere. On the other side of this very short break, Dorothy Cummins and McLean from LifeSite News will be on. Got a lot to talk about. A lot coming your way. We'll be right back. Some atheistic scientists claim we don't need God to explain the universe because science is sufficient to get the job done. But is this true? The answer is no, and here's the reason. Science could never negate the need for God because it can't give an exhaustive explanation of the universe. First, it relies on the inductive method in order to validate its hypotheses. As such, scientists can never be certain they've discovered every piece of data necessary to give a complete explanation. They must always be open to discovering something new that could alter their current theory. Furthermore, science presupposes an existing universe to observe and explain. Thus, it could never explain why the universe exists in the first place rather than not. Science has explanatory power, but not enough power to negate the need for God. 
I'm Carlo Broussard with a ready reason for Catholic Answers, Catholic.com. Hi, Joe McLean here, host of the Catholic Drive Time, heard Monday through Friday, 6 a.m. Central, 7 Eastern, right here. And I'm proud to tell you that Real Estate for Life is an underwriter of the Catholic Drive Time. Real Estate for Life connects home buyers and sellers to real estate agents while supporting pro-life organizations. Real Estate for Life offers their clients a faith-based experience. Real Estate for Life is online at realestateforlife.org. That's realestateforlife.org. God love you. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. I'm your host, Joe McLean. It is so good to be on with you. Praise be to God. Uh, cancel culture is one of the big themes for today. A lot of uh, canceling going on. Uh, Emily, you reported on the news about that pastor who got released in Canada, and they they covered the door to his to his church just yes. to cancel his. His services. And the parishioners reported that they're setting up 24-hour surveillance of the church. That is literally insane. Yes. Um, so cancel culture. Pat Madrid, or Pat Madrid, Pat Coffin, rather. Patrick Coffin is going to be on the program later this hour, at about 20 minutes or so from now, to talk about how he was canceled off of YouTube. So that uh, that's going to be our guest segment coming up. Uh, but Dorothy Cummins McLean is on with us right now. Uh, she is with LifeSite News, who also was canceled from YouTube not all that long ago, uh, live from Scotland via Zoom. Good morning to you. Hey. It's good to have you on. Praise be to God. Uh, Christ is risen. Uh, happy yes, Easter indeed. to you. Hallelujah. How was, uh, speaking of cancel, Scotland last time we talked was uh, pretty much uh, enjoying the full lockdown uh, treatment. What is life like now? Um, well, things have improved uh, since uh, we have been allowed to go to church again in public without uh, fearing a fine. Um, uh, this happened, well, it happened in concert with a court case. So a group of Christian churches and a Catholic priest went to court to argue that what the, what the Scottish government had done was illegal. And that was decided in their favor. So that meant that churches opened a little earlier not not more than a week, but the churches opened a little earlier than they otherwise would have. Wow! Praise so, be to God. Yeah, so we were very delighted about that. So we were uh, back openly inside churches uh, on uh, Palm Sunday. That's amazing. Praise be to God for that. Um, you have a couple of articles in LifeSite News that we commented on earlier this week. Uh, one was the the interruption of a holy mass in the UK by police. Tell me about that. Oh, that's really sad, really shocking, and it just goes to show how, how crazy things have gotten. So essentially what happened was um, police turned up at a Polish Catholic Good Friday uh, service um, after, they say, being uh, called. Somebody called the police on this perfectly legal uh, Good Friday service in a, in a parish in South London, um, which was a Polish-language mass, uh, the priests, um, it, you know, I, I don't know them personally, but it looks like uh, English was not their forte. Um, and uh, th there's a video that shows uh, police marching into church behind a priest. Uh, the priest uh, it just explained to the congregation that somebody had called the police and the police had arrived. Uh, and uh, he didn't know uh why or what the problem was. They say He said they say we're not following the rules, but 
We've got masks. We're socially distanced. We even put, gave out tickets. They had tickets. So wow. you couldn't, you couldn't come in. You couldn't just take your place in a pew uh, without a ticket. So it looked like they were definitely trying to keep numbers down. Uh, and of course, numbers are a big issue for the Polish uh, Catholic community, which is one of the most faithful, if not the most faithful community in the world. Um, so uh, essentially, uh, the police officer just told them all that uh, it was an illegal gathering uh, and that they all had to leave or face a fine of 200 pounds, which is not small money. I guess it would be about 350 and that'd be per person. So if you're a father with, you know, you're, you're there with your wife, your three sons or altar servers, whatever, that's a big chunk of change. So at any rate, and if they didn't give their name and address, they'd be arrested. So uh, the people are obviously not happy about that. There were, you know, complaints. <laughs> um, you know, uh, the boys in the front, the altar servers, looking around. To, to, well, not the altar servers, but I think it was the scouts. They were looking around to see what the adults were going to do. Uh, but the celebrant uh, explained to the congregation in Polish that uh, they really should just leave the church uh, quickly. Uh, if they don't, they'd all be fined uh, 200 pounds, and uh, they could make a... They can make a spiritual communion privately. Wow. So so bless him for thinking of that. Um, but it was a, a, a really terrible thing to happen. And at you know, seeing the police, there was one police officer striding about in the sanctuary speaking on her phone as if she were, I don't know what, busting up a rave. Uh, that <laughs> it's, it's, it's shocking. Uh, and of course, the two things that are shocking is the police action against the Polish-speaking Roman Catholics in London. One wonders if they picked... Uh, a vulnerable group, one that who's English, or at least the priest's English, would, you know, would not have the skills to debate the police on the legality of their mass, uh, simply because they'd be working in a second language. And second of all, uh, it's shocking that somebody called the police on uh, one of the most numerous ethnic minorities in London. Uh, you know, one really wonders what the motive there was. Dorothy Cummins McLean is our guest, and she's with LifeSite News talking about these stories. That's I I I've been saying this for a while now. Coming from a city who uh, suffered through massive flooding a few years ago, I mean massive flooding, and it's a city that rallied to help its neighbors without thinking about themselves. They they helped other people. Uh, strangers came with boats to rescue. Uh, people from all over the country flew in, supplies, I mean, you name it, it was amazing. But in a, in, in a scenario like this, where they're just mandating charity, mandating a morality of, of how we're going to handle these, these, these pandemics, uh, we, we don't see that same level of, of uh, incredible, heroic uh, love of neighbor anymore. We see fear, we see uh, uh, anxiety and stress, and uh, it's just quite the opposite. And I feel like, you know, when, when the world decides it's going to treat its citizens like children who don't know better, uh, that can't be headed to a good place. I mean, well, how do the faithful, how are the faithful in the UK um, seeing these types of events, these types of encounters with police and, you know, and we know better than you go home and, and, uh, and lock yourselves up and, and fear everything that might be coming. Well, unfortunately, the faithful are divided uh, between those who think the measures aren't strict enough and are as quick as any to blame their neighbor. I, I suggest that they're very suggestible uh, to the government and uh, basically the advertisers, the advertisers, you know, the ones who are advertising, you get your shots and, oh, you know, uh, it's not fair if the rich get their shots first kind of thing. 
I mean, uh, there's a very concerted effort to make people blame people who don't comply. Mm. And I think that's the problem. People really got into their heads that what is driving uh, this disease is irresponsible people. People irresponsibly have a cup of tea with a lonely neighbor. People who irresponsibly want to go to church. It's absolutely mad because, for example, in Canada, um, there's there's constant uh, uh, truck traffic. You know, the, the truckers going Canada, U.S., Canada, U.S., back and forth, back and forth. Um, I understand that migration hasn't stopped, you know, immigration, you know, new Canadians coming in, for example. Whereas Canadians who, as, as you spoke about earlier this week, uh, Canadians who travel home from a, right. a destination um, are, um, are, are basically seized and uh, yeah. kept in a, uh, a government, quote unquote, uh, government uh, holding center. I, whatever they're calling it this week. And it's just the most bizarre thing in the world. We're not talking about, I mean, you, if you're healthy, you have to be quarantined. We're quarantining the healthy people, let alone the detaining of the sick people. It is, it's really backwards uh, mentality. I, I just, I say that responsible people, the vast majority of human population aren't radical. Uh, people will do responsible things for the most part. Uh, but when you treat them like criminals uh, and infected and the rest, bad things tend to happen. All right. I need to uh, transition because we have about five more minutes with you, Dorothy Cummins McLean, LifeSite News. And you have this other article out. Uh, apparently, Pope Francis went to the house of Cardinal Betchiu on Holy yep. Thursday. Now, yes. remind our audience, if you will, uh, why that could be very odd or why that might trouble many Catholics. Okay, well, uh, Cardinal Betu uh, was a, a very important official in the uh, Holy See's Secretariat of State. Uh, so he was uh, basically a money man, and he put the finances in the hands of some strange financier, um, who invested it all in in a strange way? It didn't make much money, but it was also involved. Uh, Cardinal, Be uh, sorry, uh, Betu was also yes, Cardinal. Cardinal Betu was also involved in uh, uh, a luxury London property that was one of the the odd Vatican investments. As well, uh, I, uh, I bet you uh, resigned or was asked to resign, one or the other, uh, by Pope Francis, uh, because uh, it was discovered by an Italian uh, um, news magazine that he had been sending contracts the ways of his uh, three brothers. So, uh, there, so it, it, according to him, in a uh, press conference he gave uh, uh, the same day the story broke, um, uh, Vatican police had told Pope Francis that he was an embezzler and that he had been enriching his family. So um, those are, are the main things. There, there's also been a rumor that he paid a large sum of Vatican cash into an Australian bank account and therefore may have been involved in a plot against Cardinal Pell. <laughs> yeah, that was a bizarre story. And the numbers were, uh, the actual number about the how much money was involved at one point was incredibly large but i think it's been scaled back significantly but still millions i think uh yes yeah interesting yeah. all right so why would uh, why would his holiness pope francis um generally speaking holy thursday mass it's kind of a big liturgy a lot of people like to go to it um why would he spend that mass at a private residence of a cardinal who has some very serious allegations against him 
Well, I read a very interesting article on that in an Itali- another Italian news magazine uh, on which I, I, uh, I drew heavily from my own article because it sounded like a very good and very charitable explanation, which is that uh, Pope Francis definitely reaches out to uh, cardinals and archbishops who are in a bit of disgrace. Um, they are on a periphery in a, in a well, in a, I guess in, in a, a moral sense. Uh, and uh, the story that I heard was that um, Pope Francis had, had reached out to him to say, look, it's our tradition that we, we celebrate Holy Thursday together, so let's do that again. Um, so I think that it was a charitable gesture. In fact, that, that's what it was later clarified as an act of mercy towards Cardinal Bichu because, um, according to this Italian news magazine, uh, one of his brothers alerted the media to say that uh, everything was fine between him and Pope Francis again. And that this this representative, well, it was being said that this represented a rehabilitation of the cardinal's career. However, uh, sources close to Pope Francis apparently uh, told the Italian news magazine that uh, this was not at all true. Okay, so we can't we're not to, to expect that Cardinal Becci will get an assignment very soon in the Curia. No, I don't think so. And uh, if you read the new Catholic magazine, The Pillar, uh, by two uh, great. Uh, Catholic journalist, uh, uh, whose names will come to me in a minute, uh, J.D. Flynn and Ed Condon, who's done amazing work, by the way, on the on the Vatican financial scandals. Absolutely great, great work. Um, they uh, they note that Pope Francis has certainly not stood in the way of the investigation of things of financial matters touching on Bitsy. Wow. All right, uh, Dorothy Cummins-McLean, thank you for your time today. We're very grateful for your insight on these stories and more, and we look forward to having you back soon. Thank you very much. All right. God love you. God bless you. That uh, uh, it means we're going to go to a break. We're going to come right back after this very short break. Breaking news and stories with Emily Alcarez. And, of course, Patrick Coffin will be our guest talking about cancel culture. Are Catholics being canceled everywhere? We'll have that conversation next. This is Dale Alquist with a Chesterton Minute. Have you ever noticed that most modern philosophies are very dark and depressing? As G.K. Chesterton says, most people in our world today have been forced to be happy about the little things, but sad about the big ones. But that's not the way we were meant to be. We were meant to be joyful. Sadness is only an interlude. Praise should be the permanent pulsation of the soul. The Christian is able to deny himself immediate pleasures because there's great joy and fulfillment inside him. The pagan must constantly seek after pleasure because there's great sadness and emptiness inside him. Joy, which is the small publicity of the pagan, is the gigantic secret of the Christian. Let's share the secret. Want more than a minute? Visit our website, chesterton.org. Howdy, this is Adrian Fonseca, producer of the Catholic Drive Time Show. Heard Monday through Friday, 6 a.m. Central and 7 a.m. Eastern, right here on the Guadalupe Radio Network. And I'm proud to tell you that Real Estate for Life is an underwriter of Catholic Drive Time. Real Estate for Life connects homebuyers and sellers to real estate agents while supporting pro-life organizations, offering their clients a faith-based experience. They are online at realestateforlife.org. That's realestateforlife.org. God love you. Welcome back to the Catholic Drive Time Show. Today is Thursday, April 8th, and these are your headlines for today. 
President Joe Biden on Tuesday called on all Americans to get vaccinated against the coronavirus, saying that Pope Francis has called vaccination a moral obligation. In his remarks on the state of COVID vaccinations on Tuesday, President Biden praised the partnerships between religious groups and community health centers on providing vaccination, saying, quote, they're all meeting what Pope Francis calls the moral obligation, get vaccinated, something which he went on to say can save your life and the lives of others. The White House pointed to the Pope's January television interview where Pope Francis said, quote, I believe that ethically everyone has to get the vaccine. In that interview, Pope Francis called vaccination an ethical option because it concerns your life, but also that of others. However, the Vatican's Congregation for the Doctrine of the Faith stated in December that vaccination against COVID-19 is not a moral obligation, a statement that was approved by Pope Francis. Judge Richard Young of the Southern District of Indiana ruled on March 31st that a former counselor at a Catholic school in the Archdiocese who was fired for contracting a same-sex marriage can proceed with her discrimination lawsuit against the Archdiocese of Indianapolis. Lawyers for the Archdiocese of Indianapolis said that Catholic schools must be free to uphold the church's teachings after a federal judge allowed this lawsuit against the Archdiocese to proceed. The Archdiocese stated that if a school's leaders reject core aspects of the Catholic faith, it undermines the school's ability to accomplish its mission. The Archdiocese... A court has ordered that the company that sold Satan shoes must stop fulfilling orders for their customized version of Nike's Air Max 97 sneakers. MSCHF had released the hell-inspired shoe just a day after Nike lodged a legal complaint against the aftermarket design company. The art collective based its design on a pair of Nike Air Max 97s but added a bronze pentagram pendant, inverted cross symbols, and purportedly one drop of human blood in the sole of the shoe. The company sold out all 666 pairs within minutes of their release, despite retailing at over $1,000 a pair. A U.S. federal judge ruled in favor of Nike last week, allowing its motion for a restraining order on MSCHF that prohibits the sale of the custom footwear and any use of Nike's trademarks. An Ontario politician is calling for Ontarians to disobey a province-wide stay-at-home order announced yesterday. The order will close non-essential retail stores, continue to restrict church attendance, and ultimately deny Canadians their freedom of religion and peaceful assembly. The new stay-at-home order requires everyone to remain at home except for essential purposes, such as going to the grocery store or accessing health care services. The Ontario government announced the province-wide stay-at-home order, similar to what was enacted in January, in a bid to stem what the government is calling the third wave of COVID-19. I'm Emily Alcaraz, and these are your Thursday morning headlines through a Catholic lens. Praise be to Jesus Christ in all things. Thank you, Emily, for keeping us up to date. Uh, don't forget, dear listener, uh, we have a great opportunity for you to, when you join our email list, you get a, a wonderful and powerful convicting talk uh, by uh, uh, Father Bill Casey from the um, Fathers of Mercy. It's a powerful talk about the state of the union, the church, and society today. And you get that immediately after signing up when you do that on our website, grnonline.com forward slash CDT. But in exchange for allowing me to harass you in your email inbox at least once a week, uh, you get extra content as well. And today we're going to be sending out our reflections on uh, from the commentaries, Cornelius Alapide and Augustine, the early church fathers, uh, St. Thomas Aquinas and the rest 
Uh, we'll be doing that later today, and it'll hit your inbox. So you get a lot of great content and, and, and a lot more exclusive stuff. Join the email list at grnonline.com forward slash CDT. <coughs> Speaking of rebels and rebellion, uh, Patrick Coffin is on with us live from uh, the, uh, the West Coast. Uh, good morning to you, Patrick. Very deft segue, sir. Good to be with you, Joe. Praise be to Jesus Christ in all things. Christ is risen. Um, Truly is risen. It is great to have you on. We're talking about cancel culture today and rocking the boat, yeah. daring to speak about the things that must not be spoken of. Um, you know, speak, yes. you know, Emily <laughs> reported on the uh, the Pope and the Biden, uh, you know, <laughs> teaming up on the the vaccine, right? And uh, you know, we've talked uh, quite a bit about uh, vaccines on the program, and we got a hit from from uh, YouTube. Uh, a couple weeks ago for doing so, uh, but you've been canceled completely. What happened? Uh, yes, I loved the quote from Chesterton by my uh, my good friend Dale Elquist about worldly philosophies uh, induce you to get excited about and happy about small things, but sad about the big things. Um, this is uh, on full display here. Uh, I did receive two strikes from our dear friends at YouTube, and both of them had to do with this cultural sacred cow. Uh, known as the COVID-19 vaccine. Mm. I'm not an anti-vaccine uh, activist. Uh, I I don't have a dog in the race. Both my kids were uh, vaccinated, uh, at least partially according to the protocol, so I don't have uh, uh, an agenda against it. However, I am in favor of informed consent for adults and parents with respect to their kids. So uh, the, the YouTube um, policy indicates that if you have, the, the terms of service, I should say, say if you have three strikes within 90 days that is a permanent ban okay well that's their terms of service and, and i signed on to them however um they didn't obey their own strictures because uh out of the blue i launched our website for our next summit called truth over fear featuring people as as varied as archbishop vigano and robert f Kennedy jr um, bishop athanasius schneider german attorney reiner fulmick 25 experts from multiple countries and even though I didn't put it on YouTube, I didn't mention YouTube, I didn't go anywhere near the platform, within 60 minutes of launching that website, restorettheculture.com, boom, I got a uh, please go away forever <laughs> email from Wow. Them. So, um, yeah, they, you and I are fighting asymmetrical warfare, Joe. I think we've talked about this before. That uh, you and I believe that, that, uh, that Logos, Jesus Christ in the world, is order and rationality and speech and dialogue. So we, we're willing to debate. Give me an atheist, um, put me in front of an activist who's against everything I stand for, and let's clear the ground out and find out what our common ground is and and uh, come to some kind of agreement or disagreement. But they, the left, don't want debate. They want to delete. And that's the problem. And so when I got that final and third permanent strike, uh, it actually backfired on YouTube because I, we got a thousand people in the first day signing up at restoretheculture.com. Ordinary people don't like this cancel culture. They want to hear what's being censored and snuffed out. So that's, that's what we're dealing with. And, you know, you know, our Lord doesn't need YouTube to get his gospel uh, out there and to have people uh, enter into a free exchange of ideas. Patrick Coffin is our guest. Cancel culture is our topic. You know, Pat, uh, as a, as a Catholic evangelist, as somebody who's worked in media now for uh, many years, um, I'm always trying to look down the road 20 years. I'm trying to see the mm-hmm. trends and what's coming and then try to think about how do we leverage those things uh, for uh, the good, the true, and the beautiful, to help save souls, to plant the seeds. 
And I've been, I've been ringing the alarm since 2013 within the Catholic radio community uh, about what I see as coming is this, uh, when the world gets pushed completely digital and, and you know, analog radio starts to fade away into history, sad moment for me because it's my generation, but uh, mm-hmm. um, in a digital world, the Catholic evangelist has less opportunity because of the ability to censor that person with a click of a mouse, right? Um, mm-hmm. But as you said a minute ago, the, the Lord doesn't need YouTube, and that's true, praise be to God, but how do you see the next 20 years in Catholic evangelization? I mean, Catholic charities will always have a voice, uh, you know, and praise God for it, but uh, the Catholic evangelist who must defend the church and her teaching, must defend natural law, and must defend truth itself is probably not going to have much of an opportunity in the public sphere. How do you see that, Pat Madrid? Um, Pat Madrid, this is Patrick Coffin. He's oh, the other guy named this, for a Spanish city, but I forg- I'm a Christian. I forgive you. That's twice this hour I've done that. Uh, keep a count, Adrian. <laughs> if you can keep a count, I may rack that up a few times more. But Patrick Coffin, thank the, you. It's just that you're a bad person. Don't overthink it. I, I won't. Um, I trust yeah. me. My wife reminds it, me all the time. <laughs> the digital world uh, is definitely atomized. It's discarnate. It's not the same thing as as being in the same room. Um, I have come to really despise the word virtual. Um, however, not everyone's called to have a media platform. Not everybody is a radio host or an author. Um, if you're a uh, an accountant or a truck driver or a soccer mom or a brain surgeon and you don't have access to some media platform, you can still give the most irrefutable argument on behalf of Christ and his church, and that is personal holiness. Some of us are called to speak to a large number of people about these issues, and some people are called to just be it in their own context. Uh, I looked at people like Andrew Torba, who avoided the mistake of the people who created Parler. Parler was the much vaunted uh, free speech platform, and the problem is they attached themselves in a uh, dependency way to the servers owned by Apple and Amazon. Andrew built Gab from the ground up, took him about five or six years, and it's a totally standalone alternative to Twitter. So uh, I I think that's the kind of clear-thinking, far-sighted way to get around dependency on the big tech structures because everyone everyone has access to the Internet. Everyone has a way of getting their, their, uh, their message out there, even if it's connectivity by email. So I always, I always say, you know, nowadays anyone can pull your plug from Silicon Valley. So if you want to find out what YouTube doesn't want you to hear, just go to RestoreTheCulture.com and, and you can see the speaker list and what it's all about and, and also what's at stake for you and your kids. Because I agree with you, Joe. We have to be looking at our legacy, not what happens today and this coming Tuesday, but what things are we letting happen on our watch? Because our kids are watching, and that's, that's the bottom line. It, we're going to be going to a break here in just a second, and Patrick Coffin is our guest. Got it right this time, so don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. More Catholic Drive Time. Catholic Cancel Culture is coming up right now. St. Paul tells us to pray always. Easy for him to say. One Minute Monk, Abbot Placid Solari of Belmont Abbey. But how are we to pray in the middle of a tense day at the office, while rushing to get the shopping done and get home, while picking up our kids and their friends for soccer? In his rule, St. Benedict has a suggestion for us. He took short Bible verses or other sayings such as, O God, come to my assistance, Lord, make haste to help me, or Lord, help. These short prayers are like darts, which are small and fly straight to their target. 
Since these prayers are short, we can pray them at any time with full intention. Thus, they too fly straight to God and reach their mark. For your free copy of The Rule of St. Benedict, visit OneMinuteMonk.com. O-N-E-MinuteMonk.com So open your Bible, perhaps to the Psalms, and find those darts you can use through the day, and you too can be like St. Paul and pray always. Hi, I'm Emily Alcaraz, and I'm the co-host of the Catholic Drive Time Show, which airs from Monday to Friday at 6 a.m. Central Time. I'm excited to announce our partnership with our new underwriter, Real Estate for Life. Real Estate for Life offers a faith-based experience while supporting the gospel of life. They work with over a 1,000 pro-life agents worldwide and generously support a variety of pro-life organizations. Their website is realestateforlife.org. That's realestateforlife.org. Be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. I'm your host, Joe McLean. So good to be on with you. Patrick Coffin is our guest. We're talking about cancel culture. As Catholic evangelists, how should we respond? What do we do about it? What's at stake? Now, uh, Patrick Coffin rejoins the program. Good morning to you again. Uh, it's good to have you on. Um, you know, one of the things I've been saying, you know, whether or not you're an anti-vaxxer or, or a pro-vaxxer, it, neither here nor there. Now, in my family, we had a vaccine injury with one of our kids, which sort of clued us into like, wait, hold on, wait, what is all of this? And we began to scratch at this, the surface, and we found a lot of stuff that was disturbing. And I, in, with COVID in particular, I've said, you know, listen, let's just say the vast majority of human beings on planet Earth will be just fine with the vaccine. Praise God. But there is undeniably a sliver of this world population pie that is not going to be okay. They are going to be harmed or and or worse dead as a result to that because of some conditions that they have that uh, complicate the matter. The question becomes is how do you know if you're in that sliver or not? How do you know if your loved ones are in that sliver or not? And shouldn't we be able to have responsible conversation around that without being labeled conspiracy theorists? Like, you see what I'm saying? Like, that's mm-hmm. part of the, the bizarre nature of all of this. We're not allowed to question the narrative, no matter what, even though people will be, in fact, harmed, as the reports have said. Correct. Yeah, the, the presence of bullying toward parents and pressuring them toward uh, getting the vaccine for themselves and their kids is very troubling. Um, I, don't, I don't understand why the heavy-duty nonstop propagandizing is attached to this vaccine for a condition that is, and I'm going to pick my words very carefully, largely not lethal, preventable, and treatable. Uh, SARS-CoV-2 that causes uh, COVID-19 is not Ebola. It's not smallpox. Uh, it has a 99% plus recovery rate. If, Of course, if you're over 70 or 80 and you have underlying comorbidities, you're going to be in the zone of danger, as you are in every flu season. So we're not talking about the chicken little skies falling threat to the entire universe that we were we were sold uh, this time last year. Um, can you believe we're still here a year later, Joe? Fifteen days to slow the spread. Bizarro world. Yeah, fifteen Are, days to right, slow the spread. That's right. <laughs> yeah, now you're now from Canada. Wonderful. You're yeah. from Canada. Yeah. Explain Canada to me. I mean, what is going on in Canada? I mean, they're they're they're, uh, they're covering yeah. the door to churches so nobody will find it. I mean, they're, yes. they're quarantining yep. healthy people let alone detaining the sick. 
It is. Yes. It's Prime Minister. Yeah. Crazy. Yeah. We're, we're talking about a, a deep systemic problem. Um, Prime Minister Trudeau is a, is a public fan of the Chinese Communist Party and their MO. Uh, Canada has been lockstep with all of the oligarchic decisions uh, about repression against Christian churches and contrary voices. I mean, you can walk into a Costco or a Target or a Walmart and hundreds and hundreds of people will be strolling around shopping. But you have to have this minimum number of people in Christian churches. Uh, one of the speakers at RestoreTheCulture.com is John Carpe. He's an attorney in Alberta, and he's representing Pastor James Coates, who was arrested on Good Friday, uh, excuse me, Ash Wednesday, spent 35 days in jail in a maximum security remand center with murderers and killers and rapists for the crime of deciding not to obey the provincial protocol. Now, these are not legislative laws. These are This is not a federal case. He just decided that he was going to come to a decision that was in line with the Canadian Charter of Rights and Freedoms. And for his trouble, he was jailed. Well, just this week, the RCMP put a double perimeter fence around his church so no one can get in. Well, this is, this is police state tactics. The same thing happened in London, England, in South London, a, a church called uh, Christ the King, Polish parish. In the middle of the liturgy, an hour in, British police walked in, commandeered the microphone and said, you guys go home, this service is over, or you will be fined. And sadly, everyone complied, uh, complied and walked away. I'll give you one more example from Canada. Back in Calgary, um, a Protestant minister named Art Pawlowski uh, basically verbally browbeat uh, six, six or eight cops and a health inspector, told, called them Gestapo Nazis and communists, and it worked. They, they left. So we're talking about a targeted government response against the right to religious freedom. And I remember last week on Good Friday, my, my uh, social media comment was, today we solemnly commemorate the day Jesus was canceled. Hmm. Yeah. You know, the, the, the tomb, our Lord in the tomb was the first lockdown, and it didn't work either. So these are, if you think of it from a supernatural perspective, this kind of persecution is a sign of something going right. When the New York Times begins to lionize you and praise you in their pages, there's, there's something wrong, Houston. So we just have to keep on keeping on and realize that um, our Lord and Savior has never left us orphans, and he's on the side of truth, of logos, of speech, of debate. And this is all going to be exposed. This is all going to come out as unconstitutional. Uh, and unscientific. So we just have to keep putting one foot up and one foot down. And um, if you want to find out more, it's RestoreTheCulture.com. Yeah, and I love what you're doing with this summit, the Restore the Culture Summit, because one of the things that one of the things that's really worrying me is the way that information is being so restricted. It's like you really have to dig it out. You really have to find it. And for so many people in our culture today, ignorance is bliss, and they don't want to do the work mm -hmm. of finding out all that information. So, from your perspective, Patrick Coffin, what are you doing now? Because you're off YouTube, you're off Twitter, pretty much. Um, how are you going to get the information that you've accumulated, which I've been following? It's great information. How are you going to get that out to the people? Uh, excellent question. Uh, by diversifying, you have to pivot from one thing to the next because the, the people who decide who lives and who dies on social media are always playing whack-a-mole, right? They, oh, there's an unpopular voice. Bang. Uh, Robert <laughs> F. Kennedy Jr., who's uh, presenting on Informed Choice, he had almost a million followers on Instagram. And in one second, poof, he's gone. So he has his own website. 
he has uh, email list. Uh, email list is is really key because you can continually talk to your tribe, your your audience, and so on. Um, so I I don't really need YouTube. I'm going to be fighting to get the files back, which are my intellectual property. But uh, I'm on Rumble. I'm on BitChute. I'm on Gab. I'm going to be on Michael Lindell's new platform, which is going to be huge. You heard it here first, folks. It's called Frank. If you go to frankspeech.com, I'm going to be dropping there um, in probably 10 weeks to two weeks. So you just kind of adapt uh, like a river going down a mountain. If there's a, a wall there, you just go around the wall. Uh, so it's all worth it. And I, I, honestly, if I had to confess to you, it's fun. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm a happy warrior about all this. So I, I, I think all this um, desire to shut down contrary voices is a sign of something going right. Patrick Coffin is our guest, and uh, we're talking about cancel culture. Now, I would urge some caution, though, in the sense that uh, if we, we put all our eggs in these baskets and we, oh, like Frank or, or Gab or Parler, Parler, when it came back, it already started banning certain people. You were allowed to talk about a lot of stuff that you could not talk about elsewhere. Talk about the transgender issues, and boy, that's a third rail all of a sudden on you know the free speech platform, unquote. So I think as Catholics, yeah. I mean, uh, I know uh, MailChimp, for instance, was canceling people uh, left and right, just just deleting their accounts, not giving them the opportunity to download their email contacts that are there. They're just mm-hmm. deleting them. So uh, as Catholic evangelists, I think it's important for us to to make sure that we, like you just said, intellectual property. Do we have all of our content backed up on some place that we have that we have some control over? Can't count on Amazon servers or or that third party uh, service to protect us and because one phone call from some lobbyist you know these people are are bigots these people are are homophobic these people are x y and z and then they just click that button delete and uh good luck getting your stuff back so yeah i think it is telling for us and i do agree also i think of saint max colbay when uh they took away his broadcast they took away his uh, state-of-the-art printing presses he just kept working. He just, you know, kept working the problem, and I think it becomes more personal in in our in our efforts and our missionary discipleship. But uh, either way, we have a mission and doesn't stop, right? Yeah, and I agree with you. Back your stuff up. Keep your own copies. Um, don't don't assume that because you're using a service that they're always going to be respectful. Because you might you might touch a third rail, um, you know, unwittingly. I, about five years ago, if, if you told me, what do you think, where the, where's the direction of the culture going? I would have said something like, oh, it seems like we're galloping toward an abyss. But once Obergefell Hodges was decided, once marriage got redefined, now it feels like the abyss is galloping toward us. <laughs> the fact that something like gender dysphoria affects about 0.6% of the population, and yet that tiny rudder controls the whole cultural conversation. There's certain thoughts you can't have. There's certain phrases you can't uh, you can't speak and now we have uh, someone in government um, uh, Dr. Rachel Levine it's almost like we're being dared to object right and mm-hmm. if you if you do then you're instantly shamed and you're you're, um, you're considered a pariah and so on but we have to keep we have to stay true to our Lord and Savior we have to be obedient to what we know to be true and and do it in a way that is irreproachable that is full of charity and openness to hear the other side. It's that's that's the hallmark of Catholic education. Learn the other side. Learn uh, Nietzsche and and Chris Hitchens and all the, the atheists, new and old. But also learn Thomas Aquinas and Saint Augustine. 
the world doesn't give you both sides. The church is passionately uh, in in love with debate and hearing the other side, and that's that's what marks the two sides of the culture war in a nutshell. We have about a minute and a half left with you, Patrick Coffin. Tell us about your event specifically, the date, the details, the website, sure. all of that. Yeah, thank you, sir. Yeah, RestoreTheCulture.com is the home of the Truth Over Fear Summit. We had one last um, October. It was such a huge hit. We knew we'd kind of uh, tapped into a hunger for people to hear uh, a contrary voices beyond what um, Tony Fauci and Anderson Cooper are telling you. Uh, we have a Catholic statistician with a PhD in uh, mathematics from Cornell named Dr. William Briggs, hilarious guy. Um, he's going to analyze how you know you're being lied to. Uh, I mentioned Dr. John Carpe, uh, excuse me, uh, the attorney John Carpe for Pastor uh, James Coates. A young doctor from Virginia named Leland Stillman has a really fascinating book coming out. Get this, on the medical effects of light. What's the website? The We're just down. about out of time. Yeah, yeah, RestoreTheCulture.com. 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 We will link to it, but Patrick Coffin, God bless you. God love you. Thanks for getting up early and being on our show. Thanks for your team. Okay. God bless, man. Happy Easter. Happy Easter to you, too. Have a great day. That's going to do it for the first hour of our show. The second hour is coming, and prizes are involved, plus breaking news and stories and a lot more. Join us for more Catholic Drive Time coming up. If not, we'll see you back here 6 a.m. Central, 7 Eastern. God bless you, and God love you. Thank you for joining us on Your Catholic Drive Time, where it is our pleasure to keep you informed and inspired. Join us Monday through Friday at the same time, right here on your favorite Catholic radio station. Don't forget to connect with us. Just go to facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Again, that's facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Be sure to share more than just us today. Share Jesus with everyone you meet. Bye now, and God love you. I have a friend who says that baptism is a symbolic act and that it has nothing to do with salvation. How can I answer him? Simple. Show him what the Bible says. Nowhere does the Bible say that baptism is merely a symbolic act. That passage simply does not exist. But the Bible does say this about baptism. In Ezekiel 36, verses 25 to 27, it says, I will sprinkle clean water upon you, and you shall be clean from all your uncleannesses. A new heart I will give you, and a new spirit I will put within you, and I will put my spirit within you. Here in the Old Testament, we have a foreshadowing of New Testament baptism. In the New Testament, Acts 2, verse 38, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. No symbolic language here. The book of Acts says, Be baptized for the forgiveness of your sins. Ezekiel says, I will sprinkle clean water upon you, and you shall be clean from your uncleannesses. The book of Acts says, And you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Ezekiel says, And I will put my spirit within you. Do you begin to see how God in the Old Covenant was preparing us for what He gives us in the New Covenant? Acts twenty-two sixteen. And now why do you wait? Rise and be baptized and wash away your sins. 1 Corinthians 12, verse 13. For by one Spirit we were all baptized into one body. What body was that? The body of Christ. 1 Peter three twenty-one. Baptism, which corresponds to this, now saves you. Scripture simply does not support the non-Catholic notion that baptism is symbolic. Scripture does, however, very clearly and directly support the Catholic teaching that baptism saves us, that baptism makes us members of the body of Christ, that baptism washes away sin, and that through baptism we receive the Holy Spirit just as the church teaches. A beacon of truth in a troubled world. 
This is the Guadalupe Radio Network, radio for your soul. Your odyssey begins at the University of Dallas, the premier Catholic liberal arts university in Texas. With campuses in Irving and Italy, UD's rigorous core curriculum sets it apart. An education rooted in the great works of Catholic and Western tradition. An education that ennobles and enables students in the pursuit of wisdom, truth, and virtue. Undergraduate, graduate, and certificate programs are available. Start your college odyssey at the University of Dallas today. Go to udallas.edu to learn more. Welcome to your Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. We love God, we ought to be able to talk about Him. Getting you started on your day. With the latest in breaking news and information. From the Vatican to the White House and everything in between. It's serious, it's fun, it's your Catholic Drive Time. With Joe McLean and Emily Alcaraz. Praise be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. I'm your host, Joe McLean. So good to be on with you. Christ is risen. Truly, he is risen. Praise be to God. Uh, great conversation with Patrick Coffin. Uh, it's always fun when you get the when you get the guest name wrong twice in the same hour. That's great humility right there. It's not even Friday. I mean, I usually wait for these opportunities on Friday when I pray the litany of humility, but I guess we're getting started early this week. But still, nonetheless. Great conversation. Good morning to you, Emily Alcaraz. Good morning, Joe. Yeah, really great conversation. I just registered for the Truth Over Fear Summit. Oh, did you? I did, just wow. now. <laughs> and what was the date on that again? It was like, May... I thought it was like April 30th. Oh, April. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's April 20... I just got the email. Hold on. <laughs> well, at, at any rate, we're going to be posting April that... April 29th. We're going to be posting that conversation with Patrick Coffin later today on our YouTube channel. Hopefully we won't get a hit. Speaking of getting a hit, Adrian Fonseca is here on the ones and twos. Adrian, I don't know. What do you think? Are we going to get in trouble for posting that? Wait, was that a threat? Uh, I don't, was I threatening talking you? about getting a hit? Uh, no, I'm getting oh, a hit oh, on oh, YouTube. Oh, you're talking about YouTube. Okay. Come now. Okay. Just saying. Just saying. Uh, no, yeah. I was, uh, whenever he started talking about everything, I was like, oh, no. We're, we're, we're uh, done for. Our, our channel is going to be uh, <laughs> following... Following in the Patrick Coffin footsteps of uh, <laughs> the abyss of YouTube. The abyss so. of YouTube. Well, you know, it is what it is. I mean, you have to say, you have to speak the truth the in season and out, as they say, and uh, we let the chips fall where they may. So we'll have to deceive, but we'll be posting it on Rumble. We're always backing up on Rumble, and I don't know, there's at least four or five people on Rumble anyway. Right. I, well, there. You know, don't be too hard on Rumble. There's like twenty. <laughs> there's oh, like, we're wow. getting like twenty views on Rumble. <laughs> Well, it's not nothing. I mean, it's close, but it's not nothing. Praise be to God. Dorothy Cummins McLean was also on the program last hour. That was a good conversation. We'll post that as well uh, later today. Uh, so a lot of great content is uh, up on our YouTube channel, on our Rumble channel, on our Facebook and Twitter, elsewhere. You can find the links to all of that stuff over on our website, grnonline.com forward slash cdt. All right. In this hour, we're going to have breaking news and stories. And, of course, this is the uh, second hour of CDT, so it must mean we're going to have the good news segment with Emily. Uh, right? Do we have good news this week? That's right. We do have good news. Yeah. Praise be to God. Good news. It's not all bad. So that's coming up here in a moment. And then, of course, break it, we're going to have... Uh, Saints of the Day, Gospel of the Day. And I have three new Catholic trivia questions in my hand, which means a new opportunity to win this week's prize thanks to Worthy of Agape 
for generously underwriting our prize uh, for our Fear and Trembling Game Show. So that's coming up as well. And then, of course, the second half of the hour is the after show of our program where we conversate about whatever it is that you would like to conversate about. And uh, hopefully we'll have an audience. I mean, yesterday I ended by sharing my thoughts on The Chosen, and I happen to be the only person on planet Earth who uh, apparently has a somewhat negative opinion of it. And so hopefully we didn't drive the audience away. So, we'll, But whatever you want to discuss, including throwing bricks at me, would be perfectly legitimate. And we'll do that in the second half of the hour. So a ton of Catholic Drive Time headed your way this hour. Hopefully you'll join us for all or part of it. But let's begin with prayer. Whatever's on your heart, whatever's on your mind, whatever is challenging you, whatever your intentions are, and feel free to comment with your intentions if you're hanging out on the live video feed. If you're listening to us on the radio, praise be to God, uh, just send your guardian angel with your intentions, and we will ask Our Lady to pray for you. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, amen. Remember, O most gracious Virgin Mary, that never was it known that anyone who fled to thy protection implored thy help, or sought thine intercession, was left unaided. Inspired by this confidence, I fly unto thee, O Virgin of virgins, my mother. To thee do I come, before thee I stand, sinful and sorrowful. O Mother of the Word incarnate, despise not my petitions, but in thy mercy hear and answer me. Amen. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, and now the good news with Emily Alcaraz. The relics of two Catholic martyrs have been identified nearly 150 years after being discovered. In 1878, a wooden box was found in an attic in the Welsh town of Hollywell. It contained two skulls and a cluster of other bones wrapped in linen. The bones were found in a house connected to the Jesuit order, where relics of English martyrs were previously discovered. Another clue was that the two skulls were found together, suggesting that the two figures were closely associated. Academic experts on the Welsh martyrs of the 16th and 17th centuries recently identified these bones as those of Philip Evans and John Lloyd, two Jesuits who were hung, drawn, and quartered during the anti-Catholic persecutions of the 17th century. Evans and Lloyd were among the 40 martyrs of England and Wales who were canonized in 1970. The bishops of the three dioceses in Nebraska will each restore the obligation to attend Mass on Sundays and Holy Days next month. The obligation will be restored on May 23rd in the Archdiocese of Omaha and the Dioceses of Lincoln and Grand Island. Bishop James Conley of Lincoln said, The reason all Catholics have a grave obligation of being physically present for Mass on Sundays and Holy Days is because the Eucharist is at the heart of what it is to be a Christian. The bishop added that, In the Eucharist, Jesus Christ, the risen Lord, is truly present. In Holy Communion, when we receive him worthily, that is, without mortal sin, we are physically and spiritually united to him and to our brothers and sisters in Christ. Likewise, participation in the celebration of the Eucharist on Sundays is the primary way that we keep the Lord's Day holy and so live out the Third Commandment. These are some of the deepest reasons why there is an obligation and why we should freely want to fulfill this obligation. In an effort to reach out to people with disabilities, the Vatican over the weekend launched a new sign language service on its YouTube account, and plans are being made to develop other technological tools that would help the disabled more easily access papal content. On Easter Day, the Vatican's new No One Excluded project formally went live, offering those with hearing disabilities access to the Pope's live-streamed general audiences and Angelus and Regina Chaley addresses. As part of the project, two new sign language channels are now available on the Vatican's YouTube account. 
one providing translation into Italian Sign Language and the other offering American Sign Language translations of the Pope's remarks. Sometime in the next few months, the Vatican is also expected to release a mobile app for those with sensory disabilities, allowing for integrated use of the Vatican's social media content, with particular attention to the visibly impaired, as well as those with communications disabilities. I'm Emily Alcaraz, and these are your Thursday morning headlines through a Catholic lens. Praise be to Jesus Christ in all things. Uh, Thank you, Emily, for keeping us up to date. St. Dionysius of Alexandria, pray for us. St. Dionysius was born in about the year 190 in Alexandria in Egypt. He studied under Origen and eventually became the head of the Catechetical School of Alexandria and the Archbishop there. In 250 AD, during the persecutions of Decius, Dionysius tried to flee the city but was caught and imprisoned. He was rescued, though, by Christians and hid in the Libyan desert uh, for a year or so. During the, uh, the Novitian Schism, Dionysian uh, supported the Pope, uh, Pope Cornelius and helped to unify the East, but he was exiled during the persecution of Valerian in 257 in the deserts and returned to Alexandria when toleration was decreed in 260. Dionysius dealt leniently with Christians who lapsed during the persecutions, which, uh, of course, Origen and Tertullian and others did not do. He wrote a noted commentary on the book of Revelation and was a Greek father of the church. He died in about the year 256 A.D. Uh, St. Dionysius, pray for us. The gospel today comes to us from Luke chapter 24, verses 35 through 48. The disciples of Jesus recounted what had taken place along the way and how they had come to recognize him in the breaking of the bread. While they were still speaking about this, he stood in their midst and said to them, Peace be with you. But they were startled and terrified and thought that they were seeing a ghost. Then he said to them, Why are you troubled? And why do questions arise in your hearts? Look at my hands and my feet, that it is I myself. Touch me and see, because a ghost does not have flesh and bones, as you can see I have. And as he said this, he showed them his hands and his feet. While they were still incredulous for joy and were amazed, he asked them, Have you anything to eat? They gave him a piece of baked fish. He took it and ate it in front of them. He said to them, These are my words that I spoke to you while I was still with you, that everything written about me in the law of Moses and in the prophets and Psalms must be fulfilled. Then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures, and he said to them, Thus it is written that the Christ would suffer and rise from the dead, and on the third day, and the repentance for the forgiveness of sins would be preached in his name to all the nations beginning from Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise be to Jesus Christ. Praise be to God in all things. It is uh, truly amazing. Christ is risen. As St. Paul would tell us, all things hinge upon that fact in 1 Corinthians 15. Um, but I love how our Lord reiterates here in Luke's gospel that everything pointed to him. Like, I need my duh button. I mean, like er, the, the Moses, the prophets, the Psalms, everything was leading to 
the passion, the death, and the resurrection. And if you had eyes, you could see it. This is why I always say when every Christmas season, when they play that song, Mary, did you know? I'm like, yes, yes, she knew. She knew. Of course she knew. As Jesus reiterates here, it all pointed to him. Now, unlike the apostles, Our Lady did not have to have her mind uh, unlocked. Apparently, they did. She didn't. Why? Because she was without sin. She had no concupiscent nature. And when she meditated upon Scripture, she understood. Uh, I think it's powerful. Um, I, I Last hour, I talked about St. Ambrose and St. Bede and St. Gregory. But I wonder what Cornelius Alapide might have to say about all of this. Adrian? Yes, I think uh, there's a lot here as well as usual, and it's kind of funny if you're interested. It's not it's not simply funny, but I think it is funny a little bit because he spends about three paragraphs just talking about the word baked fish, uh, and I found that really amusing to me that he that he did that. So, but I'm not going to talk about that. So, leave if you want to go, leave uh, it to a Jesuit scholar. To so, if you want to go paragraphs. and see what Cornelius Lapide had to say about baked fish, go check out his commentary on this passage, but I want to focus in on, then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures and said to them, thus it is written that the, that the Christ would suffer. So that's the, the part I want to focus in on. What Cornelius Lapide has to say here, I find to be incredibly important in our day, especially in regards to our dialogue with our Protestant brothers and sisters. See, what is happening here? is our Lord is revealing to them, just like he did in the road to Emmaus, he's opening up the scriptures and twofold thing is happening here. Fulton Sheen will talk about this as the fact that our Lord is the only person who was prefigured throughout history, that everything pointed to his coming. No other prophet, no other saint, no other holy person. Uh, you, you did not hear in history of people prophesying that the Buddha would come. You wouldn't hear people saying, uh, prophesying that, uh, all these other various gods were going to come. And, but it, Christ himself was prefigured throughout history. And our Lord opens up the scriptures and points out how he was prefigured and how his life uh, fulfills every aspect of the Old Testament and of history itself. Uh, Fulton Sheen has a great expository on this topic. And then the point that Cornelius Lapide makes here is, is twofold. One, that Holy Scripture, and I'm going to quote him, that Holy Scripture is not, as heretics say, easy of interpretation at all. And second point, that it is not to be interpreted, as they contend, according to the letter, but according to the teaching of the of that Holy Ghost that descended upon his apostles. That's very important. What does that tell us? That tells us that we are to interpret scripture, not by just me and my Bible, me open up the Bible and the Holy Ghost is going to inspire me to interpret it. But no, we are to read the Bible through the magisterium of the church, through the inspired understanding of the apostles that's handed down today that is the magisterium. And I think that's the thing that we need to take away from that. Amen. Praise be to God in all things. All right. That is going to do it for the saint of the day and the gospel of the day. What's coming up next is our Fear and Trembling Catholic Trivia Game Show, and we are looking for our contestant. We always take the first caller. Prizes are involved, and you don't even need to know the answers to the questions. It's that easy. 877 777 877-797-9424. 877-797-9424. I'll get it right eventually. We'll be right back. Don't go anywhere. 
Are there any basic rules for doing apologetics? 1 Peter 3.15 says, Always be prepared to make a defense. Always be prepared, Scripture tells us. How can we always be prepared to make a defense of our faith? Rule number one, pray. Pray to the Holy Spirit that He give you the courage to share your faith and the wisdom to choose your words carefully and profitably. Rule number two, you don't have to know everything right now. Learn a little bit more about your faith each and every day. Read scripture, read the catechism, listen to apologetics tapes, listen to Catholic radio, learn a little bit at a time. Rule number three, Luke 5 verse 10, do not be afraid, henceforth you will be catching men. Jesus said this to Peter, but he's also saying it to us. Will you make mistakes and get into tight spots when you start sharing your faith with others? Yes, of course you will. But Peter made mistakes and he got into tight spots. Yet Jesus told Peter not to be afraid. Why? Because if we are sincere in our desire to share the truth with others, to share Jesus Christ with others, then Jesus will find a way to make good come from even our mistakes. Rule number four, always view a question about your faith or even an attack on your faith as an opportunity, an opportunity to share the truth. Rule number five, don't get frustrated. Catholics often get frustrated by what I call the doctrinal dance. You get asked about purgatory, Mary, the Pope, the sacraments, all in rapid fire succession. Before you can answer one question, you're asked another, then another. Just keep bringing the discussion back to one topic until you've said all you want to say, then move on. Rule number six, never be afraid to say, I don't know, when asked a question about your faith. Don't try to wing it. However, always follow I don't know with, but I will find out and get back to you and make sure you do. A beacon of truth in a troubled world. This is the Guadalupe Radio Network. Radio for your soul. Welcome to another round of fear and trembling. (laughs) The Catholic Trivia Game Show that helps you work out your salvation by the seat of your pants. It's a 50-50 chance and prizes are involved. Avoid the weeping and gnashing of teeth. Call now to take your shot. 877-757-9424. And now your host, Joe McClain. Praise be to Jesus Christ and welcome back to Catholic Drive Time and Fear and Trembling, the Catholic Trivia Game Show, where uh, we have a little fun and we have a little hidden agenda here, a secret and hidden agenda. So please don't share this publicly. Uh, don't tell anybody. But what we try to do here is share a little bit about the faith. We have a laugh and prizes are involved. So it's kind of a win-win-win for everyone. And I have three Catholic trivia questions in my hand, but we don't ask our callers these questions. Mm -mm. We ask Emily and Adrian. One of them will be right, and the other will be wrong. And the caller will have 15 seconds on the clock to decide who's right, who's wrong. And then every right answer goes into the coffee cup of divine providence to win this week's prize. Tell them what they could win, Emily. This week's prize sponsor is Worthy of Agape, which is a Catholic shop started by Catholic wife and mother, Amanda, and she makes St. Peg dolls. So this week's prize winner will be able to pick the patron saint of their choice, um, which Worthy of Agape will sponsor and send to you. All right. Praise be to God. Worthy of Agape. Thank you for your generous underwriting of our game show. We're very grateful to you. 
Uh, for all those that try to call in to our show, in spite of the fact that I couldn't seem to get the phone number out to save my life, uh, we're very grateful. And if you'd like another opportunity, tomorrow there's another chance. The last three chances to get in on this week's prize will be tomorrow morning. So call early. It's completely fine. If you want the rules of how the game works and all of that, you can find it on our website, GRN. Online.com forward slash CDT. But let's go to the phones. Uh, let's see. Valerie, good morning to you. Thank you for being on our program. Good morning. Praise be to God, Valerie. I know you. I think you're a regular on the YouTube side, right? On the Facebook side. Oh, you're on Facebook. Praise be to God, Valerie. Where are you calling from? I'm calling from Fort Worth, Texas. Fort Worth. And where do you go to church? St. Elizabeth Ann Seton. Hello. We all we know that parish very well. At least I do. Uh, is the is the life size replica of the Shroud of Turin still in the narthex? No. What happened to it? I don't know. Oh. They did not ask me. You're, <laughs> I'm pride protest. It was amazing to. It's the first time I'd ever seen a life size replica of the Shroud of Turin. It's a photograph of the actual uh, shroud. It was sitting in the narthex for years. Oh, now my heart is broken, Valerie. I don't know. I don't think I can I'm go sorry. on. I don't think I can go on. <laughs> it's not your fault. I think we have to end. No, I'm teasing. I'm just teasing. We're, we're I going, am we're new going to Fort on. Worth. Right. <laughs> I used to go to St. Elizabeth Van Seton, Plano. Praise be to God. Well, all right. Um, <coughs> now, you know the rules. You've been listening. You're a fan, super fan. So you know Emily and Adrian might trip you up. you got to listen very carefully. Yes, I know. And you know that I'm completely on your side. <clears throat> okay. Yeah, I know that's not true. <laughs> <laughs> now, let's not start spreading rumors and lies here, okay? All right, here we go. We're going to play. Well, we'll start with uh, Emily, as is our custom. Emily, are you ready? I'm ready. Are you sure? Yes. Are you sure? I'm ready. Emily, can you tell me, or rather, can you name the litany of praises <laughs> that are said after the benediction of the Blessed Sacrament? Name the litany of praises that are said after the benediction of the Blessed Sacrament. Okay, this is, I believe this is called the Divine Praises. Mmm, sounds reasonable. You know, blessed be God, blessed be his holy name. Yes, we like that. Let's see what Adrian has to say. Adrian, can you name the litany of praises that are said after the benediction of the Blessed Sacrament? Why, yes, I can. Uh, that would be the Litianus Praesus. I saw his face before he said that. Okay. I knew it was going to be good. L Ooh, one more time. Litianus Praesus. Isn't that what I said, but in Latin? The Litianus Praesus. <laughs> Why are you laughing? Okay. Adrian is on the hook for Litianus Praesus. <laughs> and Emily's on the hook for Divine Praises. 15 seconds on the clock. Who's right? Who's wrong? Uh, Valerie. Emily. <laughs> yeah, yeah. D duh. Where's my where's, where's my duh when I need it most? <laughs> All right, Valerie, you're in the cup. Christopher Chance is not going to let you live that one down. I'm just saying. Extra points for Adrian. <laughs> <laughs> guys, guys, you got to go tough on Valerie. She listens every day. Every day. She, she's a pro. She's a pro. All right. Very well. Very good, Valerie. You are in the coffee cup of divine providence. You clearly weren't thrown by Litianus Praesus. Praise be to God. But, in fact, the divine praises is the correct answer. All right. Second question. Let's see how it goes this time with Adrian. Adrian, can you tell me, is the Blessed Virgin Mary adored by Catholics? Yes or no? 
Yes or no? I will go with no. Seems seems interesting answer there, considering that we give her so much praise. Uh, let's see what Emily has to say. Emily, can you tell me, is the Blessed Virgin Mary adored by Catholics? Yes or no? Well, adoration is not the same as worship, so I'm going to say yes. Ooh. Okay, interesting. So Emily is on the hook for yes, we do adore. And Adrian is on the hook for no, we don't adore. 15 seconds on the clock. Valerie, who's right, who's wrong? What say you? This one is tough. (laughs) Um, uh, I'm going to go with Emily again. Survey says. Oh, we got you. Sorry. (laughs) You did. You got Emily me. tried to trick you on that, uh, but uh, so here's the deal. It, it, and she, I think she hinted at it though in her in her wrong answer, Adrian. Right? She was trying to try to point out something about the differences in worship. What say you, Adrian? Adoration. Yeah. Yes. Right. Yeah. The word the being the key word being adoration. Uh, we kind of have this misconception of the word worship, where we think worship is the same thing as adoration. But worship meaning worship in the Anglican use of the mass, uh, where we the married couples will actually say, "I worship thee with my body," because it's just giving to them what they are worth. So it would be permissible to say you worship the Mary and the saints in the sense that you give them dulia, hyperdulia, protodulia, which is distinct from adoration, which is latria, which we only give to God. Yeah. Trick question. It was a teachable moment, though, so praise be to God. All right, Valerie, one more chance, and uh, this one could be tricky. This one, I'm going to be, ad- oh, no. I'm going to admit this Very one tricky. could be tricky, so let's, <laughs> let's, let's listen carefully here. Uh, well, back to Emily this time. Emily, can you tell me who was the last of the anti-popes? My favorite anti-pope is Pope Michael. Pope <laughs> Pope Michael? The, yes. The one in Kansas? Yeah, he's actually still alive. So he's the last of the anti-popes, is the guy in Kansas? Yes. Okay, okay. Uh, Adrian, can you tell me who was the last of the anti-popes? No, the last anti-pope, I'm going to say, was Pope John Twenty-Third. No. The, yep. guy, the guy that was post-Vatican II? I'm just saying Pope John Twenty-Third. Uh, so no year. You don't have a year for me. Nope. Pope John Twenty-Third. All right. Hmm. This is truly tricky. Is it the guy in Kansas living in a cornfield, according to Emily, or is it John Twenty-Third... Is it the guy post-Vatican II or somebody earlier than that? 15 seconds on the clock. Who's right? Who's wrong? Valerie, what say you? I'm going with Emily again. Are you sure? Yes. No, no. That was a really hard question. We tried to help you. Oh, yeah, sorry. Yeah, that was, in your defense, that was really tough, actually. So it's a super tricky question. That was really hard. And I, I know when I looked at this question, I said, this one's going to be hard. But I thought, this is a teachable moment. And, it, uh, and it was a good one. So John the 23rd is the correct answer. But not the one you're thinking of. It's not the post-Vatican II, the one John. Who started Vatican II. It is, uh, it, it, yeah, you're right. Thank you. It is a 15th century John the 23rd, who in fact was an anti-pope. He was, uh, he was, he supported the Westerns, or he was during the Western schism anyway. 
Yeah, and uh, Pope John the Twenty Third of the nineteenth or twentieth century actually took the name and uh, basically saying, "Yeah, John, the other John the Twenty Third was not a real pope, so I can take the name." Yes, uh, exactly. So pretty funny. Well, uh, Valerie, boy, you had a tough one today, and uh, I blame Emily and Adrian for that. I don't take any responsibility whatsoever. Uh, but uh, praise be to God, you are in the coffee cup of divine providence, and you still have a chance to win. All I need is one chance. That's it. <laughs> All you need is one chance. Well, praise be to God, Valerie. God bless you and God love you. Thank you for being such a, a fan of Catholic Drive Time and a good sport on the program today. We're very grateful to you. We're going to put you on hold, though. Make sure we get your phone number okay. in case it be God's will that your name comes out of that cup tomorrow morning. Praise Got be it. to God. All right. Happy Easter to you, Valerie. All right. That is going to do it for the uh, for the uh, radio side of the program. How could you two live with yourself after what you've done today? Hmm? I do feel bad. Do you? <laughs> the John Twenty Third question it was has so hard. It was one of the oh, hardest it was questions. Really tough. Like the comment section, Chris is like Saint John the Twenty Third. Like <laughs> no, what? Literally, there was a, another John the Twenty Third yes. like six hundred years ago. I know. I'm sorry. It's my fault. That's my fault. I'm to blame for that one. Very difficult question. Yes, it was, but it was a teachable moment. I, I couldn't resist. That's part of the goal. I told you we had a secret and hidden agenda. Uh, but I have to be honest. The whole. Uh, Divinus praises thing that you did? That was like, I couldn't handle that. It was uh, Leitanus praises. Did you study whatever. Latin? Oh, oh yeah, I, I'm basically fluent. I'm basically fluent. <laughs> All right, we're going to go to Holy Mass here across the Guadalupe Radio Network here in a moment. Praise be to God. If you're going to go and uh, and listen to the Mass, please keep us in your intentions. I'd be very grateful to you. If at all you're able to join us for the after show, we would love to have you. It's always a lot of fun. You, my dear listener, get to drive the conversation to where you want it to go. There's so much we could talk about. You, can, you just need to be on Facebook, YouTube, or Twitter, and you can find the links to that on our website, grnonline.com forward slash CDT. Scroll down right underneath the podcast. You'll see the links. Just click on those. You got it. Just go uh, to grnonline.com forward slash CDT. Facebook, YouTube, Twitter. We'll talk to you there. Otherwise, we'll see you back here tomorrow. My buddy Mark Kauk is going to be on. He's been conversating with an abortionist, and he's got an update for us. He'll be our main guest tomorrow. We'll have a lot more. 6 a.m. Central, 7 Eastern. Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired and laughing along the way. God love you, and God bless you. Thank you for joining us on Your Catholic Drive Time, where it is our pleasure to keep you informed and inspired. Join us Monday through Friday at the same time, right here on your favorite Catholic radio station. Don't forget to connect with us. Just go to facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Again, that's facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Be sure to share more than just us today. Share Jesus with everyone you meet. Bye now, and God love you. Praise be to God. Welcome to the after show of Catholic Drive Time. Roseanne, God love you and God bless you. I know you're taking off. Thanks for hanging out with us today on the YouTube side. Happy Easter to you. Have a great day. Praise be to God. Um, Valerie's such a good sport. We're so very grateful. That was a lot of fun, even though it was hard questions, which, again, is my fault. But uh, anyway, Jesus Moreno, good morning to you. Uh, Lori, good morning. Uh, Camille. Uh, I, I, Camille may be a first-time commenter. Have we seen Camille before? I don't think so. I Maybe. I don't think so. Dan uh, Don, Donlin, 
is also uh, on. I'm not sure I've seen Dan comment before, so that may be another first-time commenter, which means we have some sounders to play. Angelo and Susan, good morning to you. That's the YouTube side. Over on Facebook, I see, uh, of course, our buddy Christopher Chance, hashtag king of the world, hashtag of hashtag kings. That's kind of what I was getting at. Uh, he says, hashtag Litanus praises should be a new hashtag alongside hashtag situational temperate. We'll add it to the wall of shame. We need a wall of hashtags. That's what we need of answers that are just so wrong. Of course, our buddy Jesus Robles is on. Glenn Trahan, good morning to you. Praise be to God. He says he he knew that one. I'm not sure which which one was it that you knew. Was it the anti-pope, Glenn? He says he just finished his church history class. Glenn's in the diaconate formation program. Praise be to God. Uh, let's see here. Jesus, I see. Who else do I see on uh, on you? I'm, I'm scrolling back through all these comments. Uh, Did you mention Emily? Of course. Or new? Emily? Yeah. Where? We had an Emily on the Guadalupe Radio Network what? stream. That's awesome. That must be a, a first-timer. Yes, and she asked for a prayer request, um, and so we will keep you in our prayers, Emily. Oh, definitely. I must have missed that. I don't know why I don't see that. Praise be to God. Um, and, of course, Valerie commenting on the Facebook side today. Good morning to you again, Valerie. You are such a great sport. Thank you for your being on the program. The questions were a little hard, and I'm sorry. But you're in. Praise God for it. Oh, I now I see Emily, Emily Walsh up there. We're praying for you, Emily. Thank you for your being on the program today on the comment section. Uh, Patty, of course, our friend, always on. It's always good to see Patty. Praise be to God. Uh, who else? Who else am I seeing on here? I see Todd. Deacon Todd. Praise be to God. Thanks for hanging out with us this morning, Deacon. Um, I'm trying to scroll. I keep getting these uh, overlays that block on my vision. Christopher says, hashtag, what does the ox say? What That's does the a good ox one, say? Christopher. What does the ox say? <laughs> that takes me back to like fifth grade. <laughs> I rode an ox once. That was fun. What? Uh, yeah. In, wait. In, in Guam. <laughs> wait, wait, wait. Rewind. What? <laughs> in Guam. I got to ride an ox. In Guam? <laughs> yeah. I think they call them water buffaloes, but it was an ox. Uh, Lori says, hashtag, hashtag wall of fame. Hashtag, hashtag, Wall of Fame. That's how you say that. Uh, Donald, Don, good morning to you. Josh Knoll, good morning to you. Praise be to God. Thanks for hanging out with us this morning. Luz, good morning. It's always good to see you. Praise be to God. Joaquin, thanks for hanging out. Gloria, good to see you again. Um, I love it when our... Uh, we got some new. We got some new commenters. We have a lot here. of new commenters, actually. So we got to play and some sounders. On um, Station of the Cross, we have Mary. Good morning, Mary. Uh, we have Linda. Good morning, Linda. And we have Josephine. Good morning, Josephine. So we had uh, three commenters on uh, Station of the Cross. Usually there's, it's pretty quiet at Station of the Cross, so it's great to see uh, some activity there. Yeah. So good morning to you all. Welcome, new friends. Uh, absolutely. We're lo- we are very happy to have you all. Yeah, praise be to Jesus. Now... Uh, it's funny, I got an email... Yesterday, we, we ended our show yesterday with, with me trying to, trying to explain uh, what I think about the television series The Chosen and why I might be the only human person on planet Earth today who, ha- who might have a negative comment about it without trying to destroy <laughs> the audience, without trying to upset literally everyone and have them uh, burning, you know, wanting to bring back burning at the stake. And I got an email last night from Elizabeth, a listener of the program. 
And uh, I won't tell you, I mean, I won't uh, bore you with her comments uh, necessarily about the, the show, but what was funny was how she ended like this little PS here. And Joe, you know I love all of you at CDT, but please, no horns. So if you're a first-time commenter, you may or may not know that uh, – I was preferring the Horns of the Apocalypse as the sounder for, for first-time commenters, but it seems like the audience would prefer something a little more lively, a little more, a little more upbeat and inspirational than the Horns of the Apocalypse, although I think the epic nature should speak to itself. But, Elizabeth, thanks for your email. I really appreciated that. Praise be to God. Um, Jesus was having a laugh during the, the game show, but did you guys see Christopher Chance's comment yes. about Emily when she was reading the news? I thought that was, I almost what? busted a, a gut on that one. So Christopher was saying when you were reading the news that he could see the scorched Jesus over your shoulder oh. staring at us. <laughs> he's like he's like Emily's reading the news while the scorched Jesus is just staring at us. You know, it's very convicting. Uh so uh we just to recap, we Jesus Robles, our friend who's also in the comments today on Facebook, brought this incredible hand-carved uh, image of the crucified Jesus that was carved by a master craftsman in Mexico named Armando. And um, he, it's on display now in our studio. And so I put it in the in the corner behind me where previously was the scorched Jesus. And because uh, we have a camera over here that we can put it on so that uh, our friend and producer uh, Adrian will put it on on screen for you. So you can see a little closer. It's very dramatic. It's like powerful. So we moved the scorched Jesus back to the opposite corner uh, behind Emily. And they're both incredible statues, made uh, crafted by the same person, if I'm not mistaken. Jesus says, the horns sound like the theme song of Jaws. <laughs> does, it, does, it, does, it, it, does it bring dread? Does it bring in dread? I'm just curious. You know, my, my dear friend Jesus um, <laughs> had, a, had a request, and I have to oblige him. I can't help it. The, the people ask, and I have to respond. I must. <laughs> you have, I must. You have no choice. Jesus is a friend of mine, so I have to. <laughs> Jesus is that, that's Jesus' Rufus' theme song now. Now, the good news is for our listeners, we're not actually showing you the video. Which will which will infect you for the rest of your day. You will not be able to get it out of your mind if you once you've seen it. So I don't recommend it. So if all you're doing is listening to it, it's not nearly as as infectious as if you had watched the actual video. So there is a a grace here that you are not able to see the video during this show. Praise be to God. I, I I'm grateful to the Lord for having saved you from that. Uh, Andy, Amber, Carrie, praise be to God. New commenter. New commenter. So let's give them a hallelujah. My husband and I found you guys through the Station of the Cross. Praise be to God. We love that. It says, we love your show and now listen daily. That's wow. awesome. We're very grateful. Praise be to God. Uh, Valentine, good morning to you. It's good to see you again, my friend. Thank you and happy Easter to you. Um, what else? That was an interesting conversation with our friend uh, Patrick Coffin. Cancel culture. Are we going to get canceled? That's the question because now that we've talked about everything he got canceled for, <laughs> will we receive another strike? I think it probably we'll probably just go get all three strikes in one go just one for this blow. one video. 
Now, last time, we did receive a warning, but it was on our CDT YouTube channel. It was not on the Guadalupe Radio Network channel. So super weird to me. I don't understand how the algorithm works because it's the same exact content except the GRN Online channel has the full two hours of the video. And then whenever I posted just the 15-minute clip, that part got censored and got striked down but the actual live stream didn't. So you can actually go back and see that live stream, but you can't watch the video on our CDT page. Uh, so the algorithm, I, it's just it's just mind-blowing. It doesn't yeah. make any sense to me. Yeah, and I thought it was fascinating when Patrick Coffin said he didn't even, like he wasn't really doing anything on YouTube when, they, when he received the strike. He posted a webpage off of YouTube and then got, kicked off of YouTube because of his webpage. So why were they out looking for something Pat, Patrick Coffin was was doing? That seems rather strange and odd. Yeah, they should uh, they should stop harassing Patrick Madrid. I know, I know, I know. <laughs> the the morning fog brain, frog brain is is real. The struggle is real. And when you get to be my vintage, um it's very difficult to rise. Rising early is the easy part. It's it's the thinking and talking that becomes extremely difficult early in the morning. And I made the giant mistake today, thinking that oh, I didn't need to eat before the show. I had a you know we had uh, it's feast day, right? It's uh, it's still Easter. We're all in the octave, so we were celebrating last night with some heavy meated pizza at the house, followed up by a bowl of chocolate ice cream. And uh, I just, mm. let's just say that didn't go over well in the middle of the night. So I thought, I'm going to skip breakfast and, you know, let things settle. Big mistake. Brain did not want to work. So I kept calling Patrick Coffin Patrick Madrid. But um, he's such a good sport, he took it well. Hey, is Melanie a, a new commenter? Uh, she Where? might be. She might be. Let Melanie, me see. have you commented before? I'm curious, over on Facebook side, uh, I'm thinking you may be a brand new commenter. Praise be to God. Um, yes, I don't. I don't recognize... Melanie, Melanie, let us know. Are you a new commenter? If you are not a new commenter, I apologize. <laughs> now, Eric Rodriguez over on YouTube. Good morning to you. Says, praise be to Jesus Christ. Bless all the new first time, first timers and all of my CDT family. Amen, Eric. Praise be to God. Thanks for hanging out with us. So if you're brand new and you're like, what in the world are we doing here? Well, this is the after show where we conversate very casually with you and you get to drive the conversation. And so here's one of the quests. Oh, she's a first-time commenter. Sweet. Let's hear it. Thanks, Melanie. Thanks for commenting. We're very grateful to you for being a first-time commenter. Welcome to the Catholic Drive Time family. Praise be to God. I think we have another first-timer on YouTube. What? Yes. D-LaPointe. Oh, I, you want me to ruin the show twice? <laughs> uh, 34. I'm going to call you 34 because uh, the way my brain is working today, I will only really mess up everything else. So good morning, 34. Thanks for commenting for the first time. We're very grateful to you. Praise be to God. Yeah, yesterday, you know, I think it might be better for you to just sort of go back to yesterday's video. So here on this channel, if you go look through our videos, uh, you should be able to see yesterday's live stream of Catholic Drive Time and then listen to like the last 15 minutes of the program and you'll get a very good idea 
of what my comments were on The Chosen and why it is very risky. I mean, you could talk about vaccines, Black Lives Matter, Antifa. That's all perfectly fine. But dare you talk about Chosen, and things could go really south fast. So it's it's a dangerous piece of business, and I'm not sure I want to wade back into those waters twice. Uh, so yesterday, the end of yesterday's show, the last 15 minutes, uh, I think it will help you with that. Um, <laughs> explain everyone, David. Christopher Chance, hashtag Joe explains the Chosen. It's being requested by YouTube. That's D. LaPont, his name is David. He just David. told us. Good morning, oh, hi, David. David. Good morning, David. Where are you David. from? Oh, check this out. Melanie is the one who got the uh, the rosary gifts by Beth. Oh. Oh. Oh, it's too bad you can't. Can you post a picture? I'm cur- Melanie, I would love to see it. I don't know if, you, if they'll let you, if the comments will let you do that. No, awesome. I don't think so. David, they might. They might. Good morning again. Thanks for hanging out with us today. Praise be to God. Um, What was I going to say? I wondered from the audience, how do you guys see cancel culture? Uh, how do you guys see the future of Catholic evangelization in the mean, in the sense that the ability to to speak truth when it has to be spoken in spite of the consequences that are at stake? Do you guys see that as an issue? Do you not? New Hampshire. David, what part of New Hampshire? I lived in New Hampshire for 10 years. That's where I met my wife. That's where I became Catholic. I received the sacraments. I came into the church in uh, Easter Vigil 1999 in the cathedral in Manchester. By the way, that cathedral was built by the parishioners themselves. And, uh, they, would, uh, they worked in the mills, the largest mills in the world, as far as I know, there. And guess who else worked? What, what saint worked in those mills? Anybody know? In, New, in New Hampshire? In New Hampshire. Is it Andre Bissett? Yes. Congratulations. Well done. How did you, you know that? Because I read Father Calloway's book. Oh, well, there you go. <laughs> Praise be to God. Big brain. Big, huge brain. Yeah, he did, in fact, work in those mills for a time. But he, w- he wasn't much good there, so he ended up going back, which led to his joining the Holy Cross and becoming the porter. And he was porter for, what, 40 years or something? Porters um, are cool. We should bring porters back. They're bring, like bouncers, but for church. Oh, no. Now there's going to be a hashtag. Bring, make porters great again. <laughs> You know, no, make minor orders great again. Minor orders. We can. We should do a whole show dedicated to minor orders. It'd be great. <laughs> Would it be? I'm not sure. It'd be super exciting. Super like, exciting. I, I'm already riveted just thinking about it. Minor orders are cool. They are cool. Uh, oh, she doesn't, Melly doesn't have the uh, rosary with her, but next time. That'd be awesome. I'd love to see it. Praise be to God. Good morning, Christopher Velasquez. Yes, St. Joseph's Cathedral. Praise be to God. See, Good Joseph. morning, Christopher. That's really fitting. We're just talking about Andrew Bissett. Yeah. Isn't that amazing? Big yeah. Joseph guy. Big Joseph guy. Let's see. Did we forget anybody? Uh, let us know. Comment again if we uh, fail if we, to say hello yeah. to you today. Um, and if you have anything that you think would be an interesting topic to discuss, let us know down below. And we'd be happy to talk about that. And... Um, Yes, Melanie, I am very excited. Please, uh, put, whenever you get home, uh, post a picture to Facebook, tag us in it. We'd love to see the uh, the rosary. If you've won a prize from us uh, at, by being in a part of our game show, please comment down below. Let us know. Uh, post a picture to Facebook uh, and tag us in it or Instagram or Twitter. Uh, we're all in those platforms as well. David says he's near the seacoast in New Hampshire in uh, at, uh, Hampton Beach or something. 
Uh, you know, it's funny. The first time I ever went to Hampton Beach it was like in July. And it was, you know, I, I grew up in Texas, so, but it was pretty hot. And I put my toe in the Atlantic Ocean and it nearly froze off. <laughs> I'm like, I don't know how anybody, how anybody could swim in those waters is beyond me. You'd have to have like a, not just a wetsuit, you got to have a dry suit to go swimming out there. It's so freezing cold all, all the time. But I'll say this, deep sea fishing off of the coast of uh, New England, phew, man, all of the uh, all of the cod you can handle, but it was the cusk. It was a fish called a cusk. It was a bottom dweller. Ugly fish, but boy, did it taste really good. Very, very good. Uh, Chris has a hilarious suggestion uh, that I think would be a very interesting thing for you to do, Joe. Oh, no. <laughs> you're, you're killing me. No. He said... <laughs> He said, Joe should do a uh, a um, ministries? Miniseries. Miniseries. Sorry. Sorry, I can't read. I, think, I was like, that's not right. Miniseries on problematic films based on scripture. I'd be curious how many seconds it would take for him to find things wrong when watching The Last Temptation of Christ. That could be a ministry. <laughs> we talked about that yesterday with, uh, uh, who was here? Our friend Alan was here in the studio yes, yesterday. Yes. He and I were chatting about this. Pop quiz. Pop quiz, Christopher Chance, uh, or anybody. Okay, the first time, the first, I tell you what, I'm going to make you a deal. I'm going to ask this question. The first one to respond correctly gets an automatic entry into the coffee cup of Divine Providence to win this week's prize from Worthy of Agape. Are you No Googling. Ready? No Googling. No Googling. The Last Temptation of Christ, it's, it, it uh, featured Willem Dafoe as Christ. Who was the actor they wanted to play Christ first before, and that person said no, and then Willem got the nod? Who was the actor that they wanted to play Christ in The Last Temptation, but said no? I wonder. First time, the first person to comment with the correct answer goes into the coffee cup of Divine Providence to win this week's prize from Worthy of Agape. I wonder if anybody knows. They're all like, but you said I can't Google. Yes, no Googling. You have to get that answer right. We're on the honor system. <laughs> well, Melanie's like really hammering me about the uh, the difficulty of that last question on the game show today. I know, Melanie. It was really hard. Poor Valerie. We should get the Pope history guy on to talk about. Only Valerie is allowed to Google this question. <laughs> yeah. Yes, Valerie, please. I would be for, if you want to Google Valerie, you are more than welcome to Google that answer. Who was the actor that they they asked to play Christ in the Last Temptation of Christ first, but uh, said no? I can play my sounder. And Willem okay, Dafoe. Talk time's up. Yes. Um, so the Last Temptation of the Christ, uh, Willem Dafoe played the character. Now. Have either of you seen the film? No. No. Adrian? Nope. Nope. But I know who the answer is, though. Yeah, yeah, I know you know. But <laughs> I was there. But what are you do talking you know about why it? the movie is troubling? Uh, no. Chris, I, haven't, I bet I Christopher don't know Chance does. I bet Christopher does. He says, I can't answer without looking it up. Okay, so if ever, all right, are we. Are we throwing in the towel, everyone? Uh, do I, should I reveal the answer? Or does anyone want to take a stab at it? Eric says, eh. no, I, I don't know. All right, the troubling part, I'll say this. We'll wait one more second before. Uh, the troubling part of that film was that Christ doesn't actually die on the cross. Oh, wow. He saves himself from death, and he marries Mary Magdalene, and they have kids. What? Oh, what? Yes, let that sink in for a moment. All right, 
So that is uh, absolute craziness. Cray cray. And see, here's the issue. When I was... Um, is that the prequel to the Da Vinci Code? <laughs> I know. It <laughs> might as well be. Uh, so it, it, the, here's the funny thing. So I, um, I had a mystical encounter with Jesus in April 2002. Saved my marriage. I was addicted to pornography. We were a wreck. Everything was headed towards the rocks. Saved my marriage, which meant my kids could be born someday. Praise be to God. Put me on a wild journey. Part of that journey was reading the early church fathers. And I read everything. It was a Scottish anti-Catholic Calvinist that motivated me to discover the early church fathers. And uh, I, w- I decided I was going to read everything that I could find in the first three centuries of the church. So I didn't distinguish one from the other. I just started reading. And I read the crazy stuff. You know, you read the good stuff like the Didache or St. Ignatius of Antioch and Justin the Martyr and Tertullian and Origen. You read uh, the Shepherd of Hermas. You read all of that stuff. It's great. It's wonderful. But then you go read things like the Gospel of, uh, of uh, Thomas, you know, or the, the Apocalypse of St. Peter or a bunch Proto-Evangelium of... Evangelium of James. Yes. You read all these other stuff, too. And what comes out in reading the crazy stuff like the Gospel of Mary Magdalene versus Ignatius of Antioch is you discover you don't have to be a rocket scientist or a theologian or even a Thomist. Dare I say, you don't even have to be a fan of the Dominicans for crying out loud. Uh, to, 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 I know, right? To truly see the differences between the crazy stuff and the legit stuff from the early church. It's pretty obvious. I mean, it's pretty obvious. So, a, like a lot of these crazy movies, they're based on the Gnostic uh, works and the heretical works from the early church. And, um, and Last Temptation of Christ was that. Alaric says, isn't that similar to what Mormons believe in that he didn't actually die? Or maybe it's another group. Mo- Muslims. The Muslims. Yeah, the Muslims. Um, Mormons don't believe Jesus is God at all. They believe that individual uh, Muslims become gods of Mormons. worlds. What did I say? Muslims? Yeah. Morning frog brain. The Mormons believe they become gods of some planet out in the universe. The Muslims believe that Jesus never died on the cross. Yeah, the Gnostic heretics uh, also, some of them anyway, uh, embrace that as well. All right, so the answer to my question, what actor was originally asked if he would play Jesus in The Last Temptation of Christ but said no? And Willem Dafoe ended up getting the job? Mel Gibson. Mel Gibson no was asked way. and said no. Yeah, because why? Because he's, he, well, I was going to say he was Catholic. <laughs> but depends on who <laughs> kind you of, ask kind of. Kind of. <laughs> it depends on who you ask that question to. By the way, I have reached out to Mel Gibson's um, agent or his, the agency that represents him to try to get him on our show. Uh, of course, they probably aren't going to get back to me ever. So he is Catholic. <laughs> I would love to have him on. If you could talk to Mel Gibson, what would you ask him? I wonder. Emily? If you could talk to Mel Gibson about anything, that would be your first question? Yes. Really? Adrian, what would yours be? Who is the uh, the current pope? (laughs) Ouch. That's going to be a dicey conversation. Would he say Pope Michael in Kansas? No, he definitely would not say okay, Pope Michael Okay, this is like an Kansas. inside joke, so we should explain. So Mel yes. Gibson belongs to the SSPV, the Society of St. Pius V, I believe. Uh, and they don't uh, acknowledge Pope Francis as the Pope. Right. Yeah, they're set of a contest, set of a contest. group. And they uh, don't believe that there is a valid Pope currently. Uh, so he started off really solid. 
Um, and slowly over time, he kind of started going off the deep end in terms of um, some of his theology. But he's he's still in terms of like the things he makes. He's a very he's a faithful, God fearing, um, pseudo Catholic. Yeah, uh, because he believes everything the church teaches except for recognizing the Pope. So he's kind of like in the camp of the Orthodox, except Roman. So yeah. it's kind of interesting. Uh, you know, I, what I would, what I wanted to talk to him about was not necessarily about his uh, schismatic tendencies. Um, not that those aren't important. I do believe they are important. But I wanted to really talk to him about some of his films. Not necessarily The Passion of the Christ, though. I mean, although that would be obviously a, one question that he's been asked a bunch of times. It's always very interesting to listen to. But I would really love the chance to talk to him about Apocalypto. Have Have you guys seen Apocalypto? No. No, I'm only 23. <laughs> That's so sad. All right, in the audience, have you seen Apocalypto? Comment yes or no. Isn't that like really graphic? <clears throat> oh, my heavens. I tried to show it to my wife a few uh, couple months ago, and she's like, I can't take it. Turn it off. But Apocalypto, I think, is a very powerful film. He, it came out shortly. It was this next film after The Passion. It was set in um, Aztec, Mexico. He used original uh, Mayan and Aztec language with native peoples playing the, the main characters. And he depicts the crazy world in which uh, enters Hernan Cortez and the conquering of the devil and kicking the devil out of... Um, Oh, yeah, you guys see Eric? Yeah, where's the duh button? We need the duh button. He's like, of course. Yes, duh. Amen, duh. brother. Amen, brother. Preach it. Preach it. And it is a, it, but it shows the human sacrifice that takes place in graphic detail and how the Aztecs oftentimes uh, would, would raid the Mayan villages and take their people captives and, uh, and then offer them in their temples. I mean, it's it's a hard film, and there's the he he along the way. So you have to read the subtitles, but I find with movies that are written in uh in or set in foreign languages, and you have to read the subtitles, that if you get involved, if you get immersed into the world, you you forget that you read you're reading. After a while, you're just so immersed that you just totally forget that you're reading those subtitles, and you're just you're there in the action. And Mel put all these Easter eggs along the way, hinting at some things to come, prophetic little Easter eggs. And I thought, man, this is so cool. There's like typology going on here. And the film ends. Oh, I, I want to should I give it away. No, if you've never seen it, I don't want to give you a, too, a huge. Yeah, maybe spoiler. I'll go watch it. I mean, look, I was like eight when it came out, so I yeah. didn't watch it as an eight year old. That would have been good, kind of weird, but. Maybe I'll go back and watch it. It seems seems a bit interesting, and Jesus likes it, so that means it's got to be good. So got to be good because uh, the two of you have some sort of financial arrangement. Yeah, he said curious. great film, so yeah. that means it must be a great film. So yeah. I'm, I, I'm gonna have to go watch it. <laughs> Apocalypto. It's on. Uh, I believe you can get it on Amazon. You can always rent it on Google Play or whatever. But uh, it's a powerful film in many ways, but it's also graphic and hard to watch. If you've watched, if you've watched uh, Braveheart you can get a sense of how Mel likes to do things when it comes to that. But I would love the chance to talk to him about Apocalypto. Why? Because I don't think I've ever heard anybody in the last decade talk to him about that film. And I think it would be powerful. Because if I if you had him if you had five hundred million dollars, Adrian, 
What film, and you could make any film, what film would you make if you had a budget of $500 million? A budget of $500 million. I'd probably do a historical piece on King St. Ferdinand and his uh, life of King St. Ferdinand, the Moore Slayer. Ooh. Yeah, that'd that be, would be epic. That'd, that'd be good. That'd, that'd be, be epic. super epic. And plus, yeah. all the miracles that happened in his life, yeah. oh, it'd be super epic. Emily? War scenes, oof. $500 million, you can make any film you want, you're the boss, what do you do? Um, I would probably do, uh, if I had to pick like a saint, Hildegard of Bingen, who was one of the most incredible people that you've never heard of. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Now, there is a film about her. There is? Definitely wasn't a $500 million budget. Though. Yeah, no. <laughs> uh, I believe it's on formed.org. I think you can get that film. Or Christopher Columbus. Yeah, well, okay. So the film that I would make, if I had, five, one minute. If I had $500 million is I would make the film about Hernan Cortez. I didn't used to believe that. I didn't used to feel that way. Mm -hmm. But my opinion has been changed. And the movie about Hernan Cortez can only be made awesome with, an, with a sufficient enough budget and the talent of people like Amel Gibson and incredible uh, cinematographers and the rest. But if you had the budget and you can make a film like that, ugh, so epic, and I would use Warren Carroll's work on Our Lady Guadalupe as the basis for the script. It would be so epic and amazing. Well, anyway, pray that uh, someone like Amel Gibson might say yes to being on the show. I'd love to bring that conversation to you. But tomorrow, we're going to talk to my buddy Mark Houck. He has been conversating with an abortionist. He prays outside the abortion mill, every, uh, I think, every week, and then he's been conversating with a doctor. He told me he's got an update. He's going to be on the show tomorrow to, to tell us what that is and share that evangelization conversation with us and with you tomorrow, 6 a.m. Central, 7 Eastern. Until then, like and share. We'd be grateful to you. God bless you and God love you. Thank you for joining us.